you can never plan enough. No matter how strong your business plan is, keep improving it, keep planning, keep planning for the next five years, 10 years, two years, month, week, day. Always, always keep planning. The more you plan, the less chances of mistakes, less mistakes, less risks, and more chances to succeed. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and on today's episode, I'm joined by my former student and social entrepreneur, Edward Carey. Ed is the founder and CEO of Environmental Cleaning Solutions, SA. EXA is a recycling company that has taken steps to address the issues of sanitation and employment in Haiti. Since its inception, EXA has collected over 60 million pounds of plastic material while providing income and opportunities to thousands of the citizens of Haiti. I'm delighted to have Ed join me today, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Ed, it is so exciting to have you with me today on InFactor. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you, Dr. White. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so exciting for me to have you on the show. I think you're the first student, first former student that I've actually had the chance to bring on InFactor. So it's especially gratifying to have you here. I look back and I remember about 10 years ago or so when I first met you and you were a student at the University of Tampa. And you used to show up in my office regularly with different business ideas. And then you had sort of a life-changing experience that led you to what you're doing today. So I wonder, let's open up. Would you mind to tell our audience a little bit about your, you know, your company, what you do? It's very exciting. You're making a difference and all the while following entrepreneurial principles. Tell us a little bit about it and, and a little bit about how you got started. Sure. So as you know, the story started when I was in my senior year at the University of Tampa. I flew back to visit family for winter vacation. And I happened to be from Haiti in the Caribbean. And it was the same time that Haiti was hit with a 10, I think it was a 7.0 earthquake back in 2010. Mm -hmm. And, you know, throughout that whole time, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had different types of projects, but being able to witness this kind of tragedy changed everything. And I think my focus ever since has been to become like a social entrepreneur. And I dived into social entrepreneurship the second I graduated, right? So I started this company, which was the first in Haiti that purchased recycled materials, recycled content, and specifically plastic bottles. At the time, you know, I would always see plastic bottles as trash, you know, people are throwing them away. And I didn't realize that it was a commodity. So we started a company that purchases from individuals throughout the country. And it's been amazing to see how fast it has grown. Dr. White, we have thousands and thousands of people literally every day going out in the streets, picking up plastic bottles as their sole revenue source. Mm-hmm. So imagine the responsibilities that comes with it. So they're doing this on an everyday basis. We take the material, then we offer all types of support, transportation, training, where we can then process the, these bottles 
into a raw materials for consumers throughout the world. And yeah, and there's been so much growing. There's been so much growth ever since. So yeah, <laughs> that's how I got into it. Well, you know, I've talked to you several times, especially shortly after you got started. And I know this is a huge operation, right? You have, you're all over the country now, right? And you've put a lot of Haitians to work in, in many ways, thousands, like you said, that pick up, pick up bottles and, and trash and, and bring it in and you pay them for that so that they can feed their families. But you have a, a number of employees as well, right? Tell us about the t- team that you have there and how that's all worked how that's grown over the years. Right. So the direct operation includes about 40 direct employees. Those are everyday people that come. It includes the administration, human resource, through people helping sort out the facility, operators. A good 40 would be the number. Mm -hmm. And how many did you start with? I started with two. So classic entrepreneur, you and and one other person. And I know you had some challenges when you first launched. You had to raise money, right? And and develop a facility. And I I can see you, our audience can't, but you're right there in Haiti now in what looks like a brand new facility. But can you tell us a little bit about the development of the company over the past 10 years? Sure. So we hit a few bumps throughout the road, right? But I guess... I see it more like it's a, it has to happen for you to be, become successful. So when we first started, we got hit first with, I have to tell you that China was the main buyer of all recycled materials. Mm-hmm. And at the time, China was getting stricter on regulations and the types of materials they were receiving, the quality. So at first, you know, everything was mixed together. It was easy to, to bail and come back and ship. Then it became to the process of color sorting. Then they needed to change. They needed us to change the the quality in terms of the type of of how they receive the material. So we went from belling to grinding, grinding to washing the flakes, and then it's been going on and on. But we've had different challenges, such as seeking capital has been difficult in Haiti. Being in the Caribbeans, why well, I'm guessing all the other Caribbean countries are suffering the same issues. It's hard to find finance. You know, the, the, the requirements usually ask for minimum of, of 30% cash collateral or some kind of collateral. The risk analysis that they make is very, very difficult. It's very strict. So they're not very open to, to that entrepreneurial, innovative mindset. Mm-hmm. So we had to find a way. We had started with friends and family. For, for funds. Then we were able to find that collateral to go towards the banks. And then from there, we were able to build up relationship with our clients where sales were growing, orders were growing. We had different relationships where they could even advance us on orders. And then with those, with those strategies, with those methods, I was able to grow the company. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've had to learn a lot along the way, right? I mean, this was not something you grew up knowing about. How, what's been your strategy for figuring this out, from going, going through all those processes not, and then also at the same time running a company and then hiring people and managing people? How have you learned about all of that? Besides what you learned from me, uh, which I'm sure was... <laughs> right. 
part of it. I, I, was, going to, I was going to start with that. <laughs> I have to say that I was very lucky in that sense because, again, yes, it started with my professors. You know, I've had access to my professors throughout my years. It's over 10 years. We're still talking. You know, a lot right. of students don't have that, that type of relationship. But what led to that is that through having access to my professors, for example, guided me to hire consultants. So I've had intensive consultant training over the years, just different types of training that, you know, they guide you. They guided me through bankruptcy. They guided me through, through how to grow sales, how to recruit stronger, like how to strengthen your, your human resource capabilities, how to seek more money, how to negotiate better with bank. I've had all sorts of training and it's really being able to, to surround yourself with people that have gone through similar experiences. It doesn't have to be the same sector, but you know, you have questions, you go through difficult challenges, you ask around, you ask people, you ask mentors. And I think that's more difficult in Haiti sometimes than others. But yeah. And also just never giving up. You know, you you you're facing a challenge. It's finding a solution. And sometimes there's several, sometimes you you know it takes time, but it's talking it out. It's and, and you'd be surprised how many people how much people want to help others. You know, people do want to see others succeed. So you, you take advantage of that. You know, it's, it's interesting as I listen to you talk because one of the things that always has struck me about you is your humility. You're willing to, to learn and you're willing to be open. And I think you're, but, but at the same time you persevere and you keep going and, and you're resilient. It's, you know, the classic entrepreneurial mindset. And I know it hasn't been easy. I think you all work down there sometimes in blazing sun. I mean, it's hard work that you do. How do you stay motivated and how do you keep your team motivated with all of that hard work? Uh, <laughs> I guess it's, it's part of me, that, that positive attitude. I set myself objectives. I have five years objective, 10 years objective, 15 years, 20 years. And I have to, I'm the type of guy that I have to reach my goals. And when I say goals, like if, if you put a number, for example, let's say you want to reach 10 and let's say I don't reach 10, I possibly, let's say reach six, but I know that I, I put in my best effort. I'm satisfied. Like I'll keep going. I know I, I'll, I'll work two years more to get to that number. So I don't know if it's just a characteristic of my, my, <laughs> my attitude, but I don't leave enough i don't leave any space in my mind for negative thoughts mm -hmm. i don't have that luxury of negative thoughts if you start from from my experience like if i start going that route everything just starts going down whereas if you start being positive you're gonna find people that will help you you're gonna find people call them coincidence but i believe that there there's just it's positive attraction it's i believe a lot in the law of attraction and it has worked for me and you would be so proud of the different projects that I have been involved and in what we're doing in Haiti. There's, there's more than the recycle. You know, we're trying to build something that can provide financing for solar panels right now in Haiti. And I think that's going to be the future for us in Haiti. Well, I am definitely proud. And you mentioned social entrepreneurship. That's been your passion and that's been what's driven you. And again, I'm, I'm so impressed and so proud of what you've done. And tell us a little bit about how, you know, there's, I think, a lot of other students and a lot of listeners to this podcast that 
that probably would like to think about a social enterprise. And yours is truly one. I mean, thousands of people whose lives are improved because you've done what you do. And I know that puts a lot of pressure on you, but how do you measure your social impact? And tell us a little bit more, tell, tell the audience a little bit about the social impact of what you've done and what you want to do. So at first, I saw the environmental impact, right? That we were recycling, that it would be good. Then the social aspect in terms of economic came in, right? So we have thousands of people literally depending on, on, on the model. But then when you put more things to it, you know, it, it's, I've been able to create a business that has become, well, that has international relationship. But to give you an idea, I've been able to, to, to secure a deal with HP. That is huge. That has actually even put Haiti on the map when you look at it. HP is making so much noise saying of what we're doing. So, so much positive to not just for themselves, but to also try to influence other companies to do the same. You know, countries like Haiti, for example, we have the potential and that there are the skill sets required that to help grow something like that. Yeah, so how do you measure social impact? Do you, you mentioned right. goals. Do you set goals for social impact as well as goals for the financial health of your right. company and the growth? Sure, so how do we measure social impact? There's different, we have internal objectives, internal goals in terms of you know, the amount of people that we want to influence, the amount of people that, or the amount of pounds, for example, that we wanna, reach by certain times you've i don't know if you see my website but you've literally picked up over 60 million pounds of plastic or other recyclable materials in the last 10 years that is huge for haiti we also do smaller digital impact where like let's say we target an area and we try to see we take images of before and after to see if we notice a change on the society we also do a lot of partnerships so we've worked with NGOs and other entities that are purely towards social and health benefits. So we try to have social measurement, how do you call that? Metrics mm -hmm. as well. And when we work with the banks such as IDB or USA, they also enforce and require to have social or environmental measurement objectives. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. You said you, you, take photos and you look at the impact. Have you found that when you go into these communities and people start to clean up a little bit that it, it changes the way people live? Do, do people want to continue that? They want to continue it, but I feel it's still an economic reason. I haven't succeeded yet where in the sense that the mindset could change and understand the importance of it. Mm -hmm. I think that being in Haiti, I think if I was probably somewhere else for like in the U.S., you know, people voluntarily want to recycle. People are not doing it for necessarily for money, whereas in Haiti, they don't have any other choice. Mm -hmm. So in the areas that we do those, the analysis, I guess, when you're looking at the impact, my personal opinion, no, I haven't seen, seen a great impact on, on attitude changes or anything. Not enough, at least. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But again, it, it goes to the needs of the people, and the people need, it's a survival need that you're filling. So, 
So you recognize that and you've made a big difference in that regard. So you've also employed quite a few Haitians and given people jobs. And I'm sure that's been life-changing for those individuals that have been part of part of your team. And I know, I know you've had a lot of challenges along the way. And one of my goals with this podcast is to, to help our audience build resilience by listening to stories of how other people have developed resiliency in their lives. And, you know, I've watched you and I know, as I said before, I know you've had a lot of challenges. Would you talk a little bit about maybe a challenge or two that you've dealt with and how you've learned from that and how you've kept going? Sure. Would you want to help me pick out a few? <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'm thinking, because, you know, when, when we talk about challenges, you know, as a businessman, you always think like financial challenges, right? But I mean, let me for, let me ask you let me ask you the question this way: Have there ever been any times you wanted to give up, and <laughs> how did you deal with that? Sure. So, about I want to say three or four years ago, we lost one of our biggest clients, our biggest source that was buying the flatting, and the price drop in the market just really went down. And prior to that, we were already having facing financial difficulties, right? As a company. So I came to a point where like, what do I do? I need to invest more money in something that hasn't been very profitable, hasn't been profitable at all in the last four years. Obviously, it's either this business, this business model is not working out or I'm probably doing something wrong. So I started, I have to tell you before though, we used to sell to a broker, Okay. So during that time, I had tried to convince my partners that we need to sell directly to a consumer. So I was asking funds, you know, to travel, just meeting people, making presentations of the company, of who I am, our products, our country. So I started literally, they approved it. But these things take time, Dr. White. And at the time, you know, when they say time, you don't know if it's going to take two weeks. It literally takes months to gain that trust of a new client. And when you're working like with bigger companies, it takes even longer because they have to do their due diligence into you. You know, they, they fly, they do audits in, in your facility. So I didn't know if we would be able to last even that test trial, that getting to know your supplier phase. And I was discouraged completely. I was not getting paid any salary. I had no source of income coming in. So I was at a point in my life saying, what am I going to do? Should I start getting, should, should I start working somewhere else? Should I try to find a job? Or do I bite the bullet and just keep going, hoping that some miracle is going to happen? And I think I got lucky. That's also how the same period of time that I ended up working with, with H3. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's more than luck, but I think luck sometimes and is a part of, of- success, but I, I do believe that a lot of it is is your willingness to continue and keep going. At the end of the day, it you know, it's just about perseverance. I think that Steve Jobs says that's what really separates entrepreneurs from the rest of the world is their willingness to persevere. And so that's that's a great story and a great example of sometimes the darkest times come before the biggest opportunity. So here you are three or so years later and you've got several big things on the horizon. Can you tell us a little bit about where you're headed and what you're doing? I, like I said, I know you've got a 
it looks like a brand new facility mm -hmm. there that you're in. And so it yeah. looks like maybe some exciting things are going on. There's a lot of things. So a few years back, about five years ago, I also invested in a company called Tropicum that focuses on waste management, pest control, and cleaning services. Now, it might sound a little bit boring, but we're the only company in Haiti certified to clean airplanes. Hmm. We're the only company certified for the COVID-19, for example, cleaning services. So for us, like in the recent past month, for example, we got hit. A lot of companies were closing down, so cleaning services was not their main priority. Whereas when we did the training in the last months, everybody else started turning around to us. You know, they, they realized that, hey, these guys are offering the COVID-19 service. Why don't we might as well use them for the waste management service, the pest control, the cleaning cafeteria, for example, just minor things. And we started just actually increasing ourselves at a time that we thought it would probably crash the company. I also, as I was mentioning, I also got into the solar panel business. Mm -hmm. And that's just been, again, a social entrepreneur aspect. In Haiti, you know, everybody thinks solar panels is great. Everybody likes the concept. Everybody understands how it works. But not everybody has the financial means to go and to invest into a, a solar panel system. So what we figured was like, all right, we're going to start small. And we're going to finance people that we know or through reference. And we're going to give them 12 months of financing. So instead of going through a bank where you have all these documents, all these strict background checks on, on your history, on your finance, we just do like a very small credit committee. And we're like, all right, we know this guy or he has a good reference. Okay, let's do it. And we've been very surprised on how many people have been coming to us for that model. So, and my goal, my objective with this is that hopefully in two years, I have enough clients that I can go towards a bigger bank, for example, or find an investor and just help grow this whole model throughout the Caribbean. Because I'm sure other countries in the proximity from Haiti, at least, could use that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the last thing that we're working on right now is, as you see in the background, this facility is a state-of-the-art facility that we partner up with HP and a company called Laverne based in Montreal. And we're basically going to expand the EXA, the, the, the recycling operation, into an international, how do you call that, standards? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is supposed to, to be able to wash the plastic to a level where like any company can, can make more stuff out of recycling content mm -hmm. coming from Haiti. You know, a lot of people think Haiti, ah, you know, they, they don't have the capabilities. Ah, the quality is not going to be good. Ah, I don't want <laughs> to go down there. So, I don't know. It's a positive change. That's really amazing and exciting. You might remember that I always used to say, if you want to find an opportunity, look for a problem. And I think you learned that lesson well because you've identified a lot of different problems and not just problems like people need energy, but people need energy, but they can't always get the financing they need to get it. So you're working every, every part of the supply chain, if you will, to make these things happen. And that's, that's so impressive and really exciting. As I was listening to you talk, 
Ed, I heard a lot about relationships. And I'm, I'm wondering, is Haiti a country that still relies heavily on relationships? Yes, Haiti does rely heavily in, in relationship. I don't know if it's the culture, but things tend to take a long time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like when you want to get things done, you have to make a phone call to somebody that you know or something that can help make things move faster, for example. You, you want to get a quotation for like an electrical startup or setup. It's going to take days before the, they can send out a team to make an evaluation. Then it takes another days to an amount of days to take to do the quotation. And once you approve it, it takes so much longer. So sometimes when you know people, it helps go faster. I don't know if that was where mm-hmm. you wanted yeah. to orient it. So, um, and I'm, I'm assuming that trust is also a part of that, that you build over time, an important part of the equation. So you've got rela- international company relationships. How did you develop those? So we worked on those relationships through another company that we, we kind of partner up with in Haiti called Thread, Thread International. And they were actually the ones that they were trying to sell the plastic basically to help increase the revenues for the collectors. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Thread was making actually their own fabrics to make textile products. Okay. So they got me in touch with a company called Laverne through HP. Mm-hmm. And they literally flew down to Haiti. They visited all the recycling companies. And we just had a better chemistry, I guess. We, we got along from, I guess, the first, how do you call that, the first site. Mm-hmm. They liked my, my understanding and my objective in terms of a social entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. They realized that I was not doing this for the money. I was doing this to make a difference in my country. They realized that I was doing this to make a difference in people's life. So they're like, well, this model can work. You know, yes, we can make products out of this, but it has such a economic and social impact that we should try to make this happen. We've been working on this for like four years now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that things don't happen quickly a lot of times. But, again, it goes back to perseverance, right, and, and having a vision and, and your passion for what you're doing. So has you mentioned the COVID, the virus that we're all in, dealing with right now. How hard has Haiti been hit by COVID? And, you know, you already mentioned that you, you're already in finding opportunities in that. But has that impacted your country and your business significantly it has it has a lot of businesses have had been forced to, to shut down or tourism is our main source of revenue but imagine all the hotels that had to shut down because of nobody's coming in you mm-hmm. know that created also restaurants had to close down you know you have companies that literally like in terms of their sales wise shut down so they were forced to shut down as well it impacted significantly in Haiti. We, I have not seen as many cases as we expected, but the economic impact of it is massive. Mm-hmm. We, I don't know if you remember this, but my father's part of a group that has textile manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the president literally told us to, to shut down because people could not be in a proximity of, of one another. So we're talking, what, two, three months of no operation. 
Now mm-hmm. imagine the impact, like these factories being shut down. You have literally thousands of people being employed, having to, to, to stay home. Imagine now those people that were buying food in the area. Imagine the gas for the fuel for the generator because there's no electricity. It's just a, a domino effect of impacts. Yeah, we got hit hard yeah. economically. Yeah, it's been, it's been tough worldwide, but I'm sure it's, it's very challenging there. And again, it's so impressive to see what you're doing to not only as an entrepreneur find ways to solve problems during this, but also to help people continue to keep going economically when they're hit like this. What would you say, Ed, you know, a lot of our listeners are people who would like to be like you, successful entrepreneur. What would you say to them, you know, was the number one reason for your success? I know that's a tough question. There's probably a lot of reasons that I can see that you've succeeded. But if you had to think of the number one thing that has been your reason for success, what would that be? I think the number one thing is determination. I'm a very, very strong, strong believer to determination and positive perseverance. Perseverance. Yeah. In terms of determination, you're also working with, you've moved kind of beyond land and you're now helping to clean up the waters, right? Remove trash from water. Can you tell us about that? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So, through, through Exa as well. So a few years back, I don't know if you know the company called Four Ocean. Mm-hmm. These guys flew down to Haiti, you know, trying to find a solution for like, where is all this trash coming from? And getting close to the coast, literally like they were next to a river, river stream and trash is flowing in. And he, they saw one of my collectors basically as a strategic point, picking up plastic bottles and these guys literally asked them to take them to where this facility was. And that's how I met Alex and Andrew. And we were able to set up a partnership where we helped them with, with their operation here. But Four Ocean literally focuses on cleaning trash, all types of trash in the ocean. So we were lucky to represent them in Haiti. Does that make sense? Yes, Absolutely. So you're an international businessman who has taken your idea from college that came after a personal experience seeing devastation and turn it into an amazing social enterprise that has impacted thousands of people. Your, your company is cleaning up the land, cleaning up the waters around Haiti, and you're, you're now involved in solar energy and actual literally cleaning of buildings and sanitizing, especially during this COVID experience. And you're about to launch a big international partnership with HP and a Canadian company. Wow. So exciting and so impressive. And I know it all goes back to what you said earlier, determination hard work, willingness to learn, resilience, uh, the true entrepreneurial mindset. It's been such an honor to talk with you today, Ed. I, you know, I look forward to catching up with you personally again, but I'm so glad you took the time to share a little bit about what you're doing. I know you're really busy with that new facility and everything that you're doing. But before we close, if there was one piece of advice that you could leave with somebody, if you wish you'd gotten it maybe when you 10 years ago, what would that advice be? Planification. 
you can never plan enough. No matter how strong your business plan is, keep improving it, keep planning, keep planning for the next five years, 10 years, two years, month, week, day. Always, always keep planning. The more you plan, the less chances of mistakes, less mistakes, less risks, and more chances to succeed. Great advice. Great advice. uh, Yeah. So you are a social enterprise, and I know a lot of our audience would probably like to check out EXA and some of the other things that you're doing. Can you tell the audience where they can find you and find the Uh, business, some of the information about your businesses? Sure. So we have, we mostly use social media, specifically Instagram. So if anybody types in, you know, Exa Haiti or Four Ocean Haiti or Tropicine SA Haiti, they'll find more information about what we do. For the solar panel, it's Haiti Green Solutions. So yeah. And Exa <laughs> is E-C-S-S-A, right? Right. That's how it's spelled. Ed, Carrie, you are amazing, and I'm so honored that I got to be part of your journey and that you were willing to spend a little time with us today. Thank you, and, you know, God bless all of you down there. Dr. White, thank you so much for having me, and my success, you have done way more than you think. You've involved, you've influenced it a lot. Thank you for always being there for us, and you've always guided me. And I think you will continue to do so. (laughs) I'm always here for you. Thank you for saying that, Ed. 